Hello and welcome to Giant Mess, a super sloppy sports and entertainment talk show that covers New York Giants football, Mets baseball, movies, TV shows, and some funny stories and some life lessons mixed in for good measure. It's hosted by a giant mess. That's me, the real cinch, Neil Lynch. I'm a former college quarterback and pitcher, film and media studies major, turned over thinker. And I'm quite the stinker. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, my first ever, second ever pig roast. We got to see how, uh, I guess, the cavemen did it. No, pigs didn't, weren't around when the cavemen were around. It's it's barbaric, <laughs> but it's, it was a good time. Uh, I also got my first ever ultrasound ec- uh, echocardiogram. Never had that before, and it was uh, quite the experience. Thought I had one before. Turns out I've never had one before. That is some old people shit. I'm getting old. If you are young and you're turned off by this, apologies, but you're going to have to deal with it at some point unless you're going to pull, like, a friggin' Jimi Hendrix, Kurt Cobain. What's the, what's the, what's the one singer's name? Amy Winehouse. Unless you want to pull something like that, you're going to deal with an ultrasound echocardiogram. So let's hope, pray, that that turns out to be all right. Also, uh, I took my daughter to the Peaches and Sunflower Festival. Should you fear for your life at the Peaches and Sunflower Festival? Apparently so. We may or may not talk about some TV shows that I have uh, watched that are in my queue that I just finished up or that I just started. And that includes Arnold, the three-part miniseries, documentary series on Arnold Schwarzenegger on Netflix. Quarterback, which uh, released kind of like about a month ago, more than a month ago on uh, Netflix. Hard Knocks, episode one. Brief thoughts on that. Untold Johnny Menzel story, which is uh, about a little over an hour on Netflix. And we'll talk some Mets and Giants to wrap things up hopefully you know the Mets sold half the team not half the team they dealt half the team and we'll just look at like okay where could we have done better you know and also what does the future hold why why are people acting that the, the way they act <laughs> so I guess is really what I'm trying to get at and then uh, with the Giants, the Giants had their first preseason game against the Lions. I got to watch one half of the game. So I'll get my thoughts on that, along with some other uh, reactions to some major stories and headlines going on. So without further ado, with that fucking mammoth, epic intro out of the way, let us get it started up in hell. All right, some life stories right off the bat. Uh, I had my daughter this past weekend, the weekend before. Uh, I was without San's daughter, so I got to do me, you know. But it's been a while since I recorded. Last time I recorded was uh, 1st of August, I think. And it's now two weeks later. Uh, what happened last week? Good question. I don't know. I forget. <laughs> it's just uh, it's all kind of a blur at this point. I, I can't even believe we're halfway through August. Like, what the fuck just happened? Um. It feels like I just went to that wedding in Virginia, which was July 1st. It was legitimately six weeks ago. And it just feels like everything was just whoosh. Fast forward through all that. Um, so uh, my 
daughter had a bit of a rough day. What was it two weeks ago? On that Wednesday that I was supposed to get her. Didn't go into school, which is technically camp now. And so her, her mother dropped her off at my place. And her mom had bought her a Barbie set. And I was like, all right, cool. This is cool. And within, I don't know, five minutes, my daughter had taken all the clothes off of Barbie. Barbie was friggin' nude, big time, in my apartment. Wish it was actually Margot Robbie, but it is actual Barbie toy. Full on nude, still no nipples. But the weird thing is, uh, my daughter goes, yeah, she's, why doesn't she wear any panties? And I was just like, I, I don't know if I'm equipped to answer that. I didn't really have Barbies growing up. My sister had a Barbie. I might have played with it in the shower once. No big deal. You know, I was young. I was eight. What do you want me to do? <sighs> TMI. Uh, but she was like, why, why doesn't Barbie wear panties? And I was just like, I don't, I don't, is that like a customary? Is that normal for Barbie not to wear panties? She seems like the kind of gal who can pull it off and go commando uh, and just let, let the wind do what it will, what it do, you know? Like why, why bother <laughs> with panties? I guess, you know, that seems like a very Barbie thing to do. And then I actually, she handed the, the nude Barbie to me and I'm seeing like all, like you look where the panties should be and there, there looks like it's textured. Uh, has some kind of like design as if there are, as if she is wearing panties, but they're like nude or flesh colored panties. But why not just give her panties? I don't know. I don't understand. I think I feel like panties are a big, like you can, oh, you can change outfits on Barbie. What's, you can change the panties. She just, that's just not who she is. And I respect that. Um, so that was, that was interesting to find out. We ended up watching the Super Mario Brothers movie. It's a final, finally available on streaming on Peacock TV, uh, August third. I kind of maybe asked my daughter at some point, like when it first came out in I guess April, right? It would have been April. Like, do you want to go see it? And she was like, no. And then of course, like her entire pre-K graduation ceremony and show was based on and themed to Mario Brothers. And so, uh, and then she's been saying some things here and there. I'm like, where did you hear that? What's going on? And it turns out, oh yeah, it's all from the movie. It's all from the movie. So she had seen the movie, just not with me. I'm not bummed about it. You are. So uh, that was enjoyable for me, just knowing like, okay, she's about to turn five. And like, when I turned five is probably when I started playing Nintendo and got Mario Brothers like the original Super Mario Brothers on NES. So um, it feels like that's a pretty good bonding experience and moment. And uh, I, I mean, the critics were not very kind to it. I don't know why, but I, and the audience has loved it. I loved it. You know, I, th I still think Chris Pat Pratt as Mario is a little bit of a weird choice. Charlie Day's Luigi is like, you can't get any better than that. Um, I forget who plays, who voices Princess Peach, but uh, I thought it was a, a wise choice uh, fairly well. And like Jack Black is Bowser, dude. Like it doesn't get any better than that. 
And I find myself singing his Peaches song like a lot, a little, maybe a little bit too much. Like, and especially since we went to the Peach Festival, <laughs> it was like Peaches, 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 Peaches. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a big fan of the movie. We watched it a few times over the, over the course of the past two weeks. I also got to catch the Mark Normand special on Netflix. If you're not familiar with comedian Mark Normand, oh my gosh, dude. One of the best. He, I've known him. I've known of him. I know him. I know of him. I never met him. But uh, I want to say at least 10 years that I've known him. Around 10 years. He has a, a couple podcasts. One is called Tuesdays with Stories with uh, another comedian, Joe List, who apparently is in this new Louis C.K. movie that he uh, is being heralded for called Fourth of July, I think it's called. And uh, But the other podcast he has is We Might Be Drunk with Sam Morrill, Morrill who is uh, uh, I just watched one of his specials recently on Netflix that I thought was awesome. So... Highly recommend that. I've never seen a comic in a special rattle off. Like they they say, they say, who's they? Great question. Uh, Stand-up comedy experts, aficionados say that you should go for a joke per minute. And if you can get under a minute per joke, per, you know, multiple jokes per minute, then that's, you're doing just right, just fine. And, but most specials, you know, that's, that. You would think they would apply for like a five-minute appearance on Leno, Letterman, O'Brien, uh, Conan. I don't know why I call him O'Brien. Seth Meyers. Like when they appear on those shows, like it's, yeah, you need to have, if you're only up there for five minutes, you can't have five jokes, right? But in a special, hour-long special, it's like, all right, well, I'm going to be up here for a while. The ability to rattle off multiple, multiple jokes per minute is like, whoa. And uh, I think it's I think it might even be one joke per thirty seconds. Mark Norman hits that and more, like in an hour special, where it's just I mean multiple jokes like every almost every sentence is a joke. Uh, one of the best to ever do it. So I, I highly recommend that it's on Netflix, which uh, which it's weird. I'm, I mean I'm not a member of any guild. I know the writer strike is going on. I'm not a member of any guild. But apparently, like a lot, I'm listening to a lot of podcasts with celebrities, entertainers that I like to follow, and like they're not allowed to mention their projects on streaming services because of the writer strike. I guess because the streaming services like Netflix and Peacock are not paying their writers, so we're not supposed to say their names. I'm not a member of the guild, so I'm gonna, I'm going to say their names. You want to accept me to the guild and pay me like a writer, even like the worst paid writers. <laughs> Then I will not say the streaming service's name. It's in your the ball's in your court, Writers Guild. How did I, how did I flip that around? What? So yeah, Mark Norman on uh, the N word, as they say. <laughs> they can't say Netflix, so they say the N word. Uh, and then I followed that with a Stavros Halkius special. My buddy who uh, who hosted the pig roast that I went to. Uh, Initially turned me on to Stavros and, uh, and I've, you know, he does these little 
especially during the NFL season, he does these, uh, he's a Ravens fan. He's from Baltimore. And so he does these like quick 60 second reaction videos every week for Ravens games. And they're so perfect. I mean, I went to school in Baltimore and so I'm, I'm very familiar with that accent. I was down there for five years. Uh, no big deal. And, uh, uh, I don't know if it was called fat rascal. It's on YouTube though. So if you go to YouTube and you go on YouTube Stavros Halkia search search for that name, uh, it's he has a crowd work special that he just released that I kind of watched part of and I was like, all right, I get it. This is all very cool, but like ha like thirty plus minutes of crowd work, it's a bit much. I don't know, but his hour long special on YouTube, which came out I think last year or the year before, um. He's wearing like a leopard's leopard print shirt. Uh and uh he's just oh god. Just visually a funny dude. Audibly a funny dude. Like the way he says things, how he looks, it's just like you are a comedian through and through. So I he's blowing up and I'm I only assume he's only gonna get bigger and bigger, both physically and in terms of fame. <laughs> it's just some of the stuff he talks about uh kind of gives me hope in a weird way i don't know like i just i, I started listening to his podcast too stobby's world and he has some some great interviews on there but it's uh it's interesting to see a guy like him because it feels like he's straight out of the 80s or something like that like a comedian you would see, like almost like the baby of gallagher and um like Richard Richie Anderson? No, that's not his name. Is it? Louis Anderson. That's the one. Yeah. Like, yeah. The the child of Gallagher, Louis Anderson. Oh boy. So yeah, he's Greek. So if you're Greek, you gotta represent, right? He also he went off like big time on Italians. The, I think it was the Mark Norman episode, the interview with Mark Norman, and he went off on Italians, and I was like, I'm a quarter Italian, so I was like a quarter offended, but it was also like, yeah, you're kind of spot on. <laughs> the things you're saying, whoa. Yeah. You're kind of spitting facts. He was it was almost a little too. It's like, yes, you're speaking the truth, but do you have to be that adamant about it? Whoa, dude. <laughs> you really hate Italians. So yeah, I ended up going to uh, as I mentioned, the pig roast at my fraternity brother's place uh up, I must say, Maplewood area. I don't know if that's giving away too much. Right off 78 near Newark in the oranges. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, and this is my, I guess, my second ever pig roast. The first one I talked about when I, went, when I went down to South Carolina and I literally was standing next to the pig roasting in the box for a good hour before I was like, so when are we going to start cooking the pig? And they were like, it's a pig in a box. So that was my first ever pig roast, I guess. And that was in a box. This one was on a spit, rotating spit, which that was a, a trip watching him put that together. It's his first ever pig roast that he's been done, done. He's been done, did, done, did. He's done a lamb roast before. This is a pig roast. And to see him prepare it, I was like, oh, this is bad. Like, it's just tough to watch, especially with someone like me that's kind of a pussy when it comes to that stuff like seeing him take the spit the metal pole and just shoving it right up the pig's booty 
all the way throughout the mouth, I was just like, oh man. And even to like say, uh, you know, when you have, okay, so there's a situation sexually where two people, probably men, are on either side of a, of a lady. And that's, uh, oh, she got, uh, what do they call it? You know, that's that's all I could think about while he was doing that. I was like, oh man. And you're looking at the pig and you're like, brother, it's probably the best you're dead. <laughs> you probably, if you know, can you imagine uh, like someone told him the pig before that happened? Like, hey, bud, you're about to die. There's nothing you can do to get out of it. But do you want to know what happens to you after you die? And the pig is probably like, yeah, of course. And they're like, ooh, well, Someone's going to take a pole and just drive it right through you from butt to mouth. <laughs> and then they're going to, we're going to, yeah, we're going to just rotate you over a fire for a cool five hours and then uh, have at you. Yeah. And it's funny, like we, you know, I was, my mom, like, I don't know, I'm thinking about wills and last testaments and all that shit. And it's like, I would like the following. And it's like, well, <laughs> it's so funny that you can write whatever you want. doesn't mean it's going to actually happen. Like, you did. There's nothing much you can do after that. So, uh, yeah, the it, just watching prepared. I was like, I don't know if I'm, I think I might be vegan now. I don't know. Maybe. And then to when he had to... Uh, like I think he had it too high up the spit or whatever you want to call it was too little too high up above the fire and so we had to lower it and then what like I mean explicit content warning right here right now you want out bail out I'm fine with it I don't care or just fucking maybe 30 seconds 15 seconds a minute I don't think I'm going to talk about this for that long okay lowers the pig and the eyes just bulge out of the skull <laughs> the eyes are still there and it's just like they just they just like they became white and they just like they came out of the eye sockets it was just and they were pointy and it was just like what i don't know if i want to eat this anymore <laughs> i just don't know now i think i know why you guys in south carolina had it in the box that makes sense now because watching it happen el grosso del grosso and uh yeah so uh you know it was it was good to see um my buddy <laughs> he had i think he invited like 50 people and only five people showed up and the pig he got i've never seen a pig this small it was i don't even think you i don't even know if you can call it a baby pig it was a small pig uh, i know when you think about a pig roast like i think the one down in south carolina was like had to be I don't know. How much do they usually weigh? 300, 400 pounds? Average weight pig between 110 and 770 pounds. Okay, so that's the adult pig can typically weigh between that. This pig was like 25 pounds. So divided by five people, it should be five pounds, but you're not thinking about bones and shit like that. So um, I think I had maybe two rounds, two plates. And I think maybe everyone, uh, the uh, four of the guys had uh, two plates. One of the guys had an Australian accent and it was just like, man, 
how different would my life be if I had an Australian accent? It'd probably be a lot better. <laughs> it probably be, they just it's not just the accent. It's just their just the general attitude and behavior and ment- and mentality and attitude towards attitude towards life. Like everything that happens it's just like no worries, mate. It's just like, yeah, no, there there really aren't any worries, mate. That's a great call. Um I just I'm I'm like fat like cuz you know, my daughter loves Bluey and so I'm like I'm becoming fast. I I I can understand why women kind of default to if you have a British or Australian accent that's not like super cockney or uh convict. Why would you go with an American that sounds like me? Where you can hear the fat and misery. So <laughs> I get it. You know? I mean it's like I try to imagine what this dude would say like cuz he wasn't uh I mean, he wasn't like Chris Hemsworth but like if this dude had an American accent, I'd be like, yeah, he's cool. But he had an Aussie accent. I was like, oh, yeah, the dude is the best. <laughs> um, I uh, I stayed over, you know, because I was like, I I drove there and I was like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get lit, I'm gonna go to the club and get lit. So uh, I'm gonna have, toss a few back, and uh, I stayed over. Now he doesn't really have a guest room. He has two two children's bedrooms, so I slept in the younger child's bed. <laughs> I don't know if he wants me to tell anyone that, but specifically his son. Um, but I, I, yeah, I slept in the kid's bed, <laughs> and I was full. I I wore my clothes, and that's not you know. I know what you're saying, O'Neill, you lazy fuck. No, this was not a laziness. This was like I think this is just for the best, you know. In case something happens, right? Beyond my control, because I'm trying to get at. Uh, but it was a good time. I brought a bottle of Johnny Walker Black, which threw some people off. But I was like, I, I mean, if he's buying this pig, it's probably X amount of dollars. He's let me stay over. It's X, you know. If you put a price tag on that, what's that cost? And then I brought like a case of Bud Light Seltzer, which did not go over well. Which I, I I am now ninety nine percent convinced that I have no taste buds that my taste buds have been completely eliminated from my body. I, I just I I taste it. I'm just like yeah, it's, it's a fruity seltzer, bubble water that gets you drunk. And my friend tastes took a taste took a sip of it. And it was just like oh, this is so disgusting. I was just like, all right, so can I get like a tongue transplant? Like what do I do here? It's a gift and a curse. Uh, the next day, I went to a brunch in Montclair, you know, not too far away. Uh, and I, I, I don't want to get too too detailed about this, but I will say, for Faborgs, pretty decent uh, brunch spot. I I enjoyed it thoroughly. I thought the food was amazing. The hostess, with literally the mostest, did. I don't know how old this woman is. I assume, how old do you have to be to be a hostess? Minimum 18? Please God, praise God. Uh, this hostess, and this is like, seems like a pretty classy joint, pretty classy outlet, like very highly reviewed and rated. The menu, it's pretty, it's pretty pricey. Uh, it's classy, it looks classy. This hostess 
looked like she was ready for a very pornographic erotic tennis match. Okay. Mini skirt, the miniest of mini skirts and some kind of, I don't want to say tube top, but a top without straps showing the shoulders. And I could see her, the outline outlines of her nipple rings. Like, whoa, dude. Whoa. <laughs> and I was, uh, I was meeting a date there. <laughs> I was meeting a woman for a second date. And I was like, is this a test? What's going on here? I'm being tested. Cool. Well, I fail. So, uh, but I had a lovely time. Other than the fact that I, I like sitting outside for a brunch. No big deal. I like, I like it. But I also got the swampiest of swamp ass sitting out there just soaked like uh they uh, they we sat outside and they have like some covering but it's not completely covered where it's like those thong things that you'd hang over a pool or something like that and it's just like this is so now i'm gonna get this really cool friggin' sunburn where i look like uh david bowie or something what the fuck so that was fun um I went to my uncle's to pick up a, a few things that, you know, cause my, uh, my grandmother, his mother passed away, left a bunch of the stuff to us. And so we're kind of divvying it up as you do. And so I went over there to pick it up, hung out for a little bit. And he, he showed me like all the things that he's got to do to his house. Um, which was exciting. It's, it's kind of twofold two uh, dual pronged. I don't even know what you say. How do you say this? But like, it's like, I, I think back to when we got our house in Wayne, I was like, okay, we're going to do this with the basement. We're going to do this with the attic over the garage. And it's going to be this and this and this. And I had a vision and it was like, it all went to shit in like two years, <laughs> but it sounds pretty pimp. Like what he's got going on in his basement. Like it's going to be, I don't like saying man cave. It's, I think it's stupid, but like, yes. Yes, I'm all on board on it. It's like, how can you not get excited about this setup that you are going to have? It just sounds amazing. I want to come over here every weekend. Um, but it's also like, uh, you know, it just, the construction takes forever. And the pricing and the contractors, and it's just like, woof. So best of luck to him. Um, and then I, I finished Prehistoric Planet which I, I, I don't know if I can recommend this any hoarder than I am. Prehistoric Planet, Planet is the best, especially if you are trying to get to sleep. It's like my go-to, I'm trying to get to sleep. I'm trying to calm myself. Usually it's a good Sunday night viewing because it's like Sunday nights are like serious scaries, hardcore scaries. It's so like pop that on an Apple TV, eat an, an edible, and just it's just like... Sail away, sail away, sail away. So, uh, yeah, thumbs up for me, dog. Prehistoric planet, love it. I, I wish that, and I understand that it probably takes a very long time. And the budget for this, like, it's basically like we're going to pay for, the bulk of the budget is going to go towards the host, the narrator, uh, Sir Richard Attenborough, David Attenborough, who has the best voice. And then it's going to go to all special effects. The rest goes to all special effects, like 90% of the budget, which is what I think, you know, we talked about 65, the movie with Adam Driver. And I think that 
they did a fairly decent job with the dinosaurs there. The, the dinosaurs in prehistoric planet are the best I've ever seen. I, I had no point in my like, oh, I'm watching special effects. I'm like, I'm watching a nature documentary. This is real life. This is happening in Africa right now. Um, not 66 million years ago. So uh, you kind of wonder why Jurassic World didn't like spend a little more time and effort on that. Because it, it's like it, there's just a bunch of scenes in the, that movie trilogy, the new one, which is like, okay. Uh, I don't know if it was the pig roast, and I don't want to throw my buddy under the bus. I don't know if we cooked that pig long enough because my stomach got seriously fouled up after that. I mean, I ordered, I I went to the brunch, so I had I did have like steak and eggs, where the eggs was like you had to I could break the yolk and like that's the best watching the yolk like pour all over the steak and it's like I'm a man, baby, this is manly shit. But uh, it might have backfired because my stomach was messed up for a, or almost a solid week, at least four days. I was like, was it the pig that wasn't cooked thoroughly? I also ate the pig skin which was probably the worst decision because it was like so many flies. I saw so many flies laying on that stuff. And then also on that, uh, that day where my stomach got fouled up, I, I literally had a, um, a debate with myself where I asked the question, am I an incel? And I think the answer is yes, but it, like not dangerous. Like, can you just be a harmless incel? Like I, I feel like, because uh, incel stands for involuntary, in involuntarily celibate, which is basically any single man, right? <laughs> it's like uh, straight man. Sorry, any single straight man feels like that's you're involuntarily celibate. Like if you're a single woman, the choice is yours. You can go out there. And you can you can toss it around. You can put it out there, and you can probably get it done. I can't toss it out there, do a little do a little turn on the catwalk, and expect to catch anything in return. My nets have been in the water for three friggin' years. Let's just put it that way. But am I an incel? I don't think so. I don't. I don't blame. I've done a lot of soul searching on these dating apps. And I'm like, why isn't it anyone? And then I'm look, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, if I were 32 and I saw this happening, it's not exactly, I'm not, you know, exactly not kicking down doors to get to it. You know what I'm saying? So I think I'm an incel, but a harmless one. Because I feel like that's get, that term gets tossed around a lot. And I like, you know, I get tossed around for the Riddler and the Batman. It got tossed around in a movie I'm about to review called Don't Worry, Don't Worry Darling. It's just like if it's just like if you are a frustrated single straight man, you're an incel. It's like, well, yeah, sex is the best, but also can is also mentally ruining me. Uh, <laughs> I also had my uh, first ever ultrasound echocardiogram, which I didn't realize for a long time that echocardiogram is different from EKG. There's ECG. I think, which is an echocardiogram, and there's an EKG, which is literally on my Apple Watch. And so when people are like, well, have you had a, have you had an echocardiogram? And I'm like, dude, I take an EKG every night. I put my thumb on the dial of my Apple Watch for 30 seconds, 
It measures everything I need to know. And it tells me that uh, it's a bunch of legal disclaimer about heart attacks. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'm all right. So I did I did go to have that done. I thought I had it done before. It turns out, no, nah, the, no. Nah. It was freaky. It freaked me out. It basically, you know, I've I've uh, been a part of the process, the pregnancy process. So I, I'm familiar with an ultrasound and having that happen on a lady's tummy. You know, my my ex's uh, belly, seeing that happen and like, getting photos and like, being like, oh, there's a nose. Oh, my goodness. And there's a rug. Oh, my God. So I'm familiar with that. But this was way different. It freaked me the fuck out. Like, uh, they put the gel on. They put well. They start you off with a couple of those sensors or nodes or whatever. They stick that to the right side, my right side for some reason, and then I have to uh, go on my left side, lay on my left side, and then they gel me up and they they do the ultrasound around the, the kind of the left side. And uh, if you do get it done, close your eyes. There's no reason for you to look at the screen, to look at what's happening on that screen, because it, it will haunt your life. She, the tech doesn't say anything, by the way. She's, she basically gives you a, a brief preamble where it's like, if, if anything is critically wrong, I'm going to run out of the room and get the doctor. I'm like, okay, let's not have that happen. But uh, if it, so I... I guess that's the positive is like it wasn't anything was critically dangerous where like she had to run out of the room. Okay. That didn't happen. So that's good. But <laughs> in turn, so <laughs> she doesn't, but she also doesn't say a damn thing about anything that she's doing or anything that's going on, anything that she's seeing. It's I'm, ba I'm basically just looking at the screen. I just, see, I just hear her clicking her mouse and I just see her kind of like highlighting certain areas of the heart and taking pictures and I'm seeing like screenshots and snapshots and, 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 and then there are colors introduced like reds and blues. And I'm like, red can't be good. Right. Red's not good. Right. Blue's good. There's a lot of red there. So this is probably really bad. And there's also a lot of flaps and it's like, is that supposed to flap? Is it supposed to look like a tassel on a bike going by? What's going on here? I mean, at one point, it looked like the wacky inflatable waving arm tube man. Tube man. <laughs> Literally, I was like, that's like a <laughs> wacky waving inflatable tube man. Like, uh, that's what it looked like at one point. I'm like, that probably isn't good. Like, when you think about a heart beating, you're like, boom, 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 boom. Not like like a friggin' spastic octopus dude it's just like all right i you know and and she, she's like i guarantee this woman's a great poker player like her poker face is incredible i couldn't tell if i was fucked or not it was just like well all right i guess i'll get the results and never see you later i took my daughter to mcdonald's Cause that, I mean, it's basically, that's the rotation that we got going now. It's McDonald's and Wendy's, you know, ever since, uh, I got my lease renewal and they're like, yeah, we're going to charge you the maximum allowable rent. We're going to increase your rent by almost 11%, jack it up $200 per month. 
and you were already over budget before. Now you're way over budget. So it's like all those fancy dinners where we sit down, there's a waiter. That's not happening anymore. And I think I can get away with it now because she's like not even five and just the like any restaurant will do. Like literally a truck stop, pit stop, you know, anything where there's just you, you I we just sit down outside or somewhere else other than home and eat is basically that's the restaurant. So uh, I was surprised to see, and this happened last time, and I guess I never picked up on it. You cannot add cheese to a hamburger Happy Meal. You can't add cheese to the hamburger in a Happy Meal. You can't do it. They physically will not allow you to do it. Uh, and I, I must have missed this headline, but I guess that was uh, McDonald's no longer offers cheese on the hamburger and the Happy Meal as of June of last year. Whoa, where have you been, Neil? So that was, and and I think last time we went to McDonald's, she didn't notice because uh, I was I was like, oh my God, how did I miss adding the cheese to the burger? She's going to notice and she's not going to eat it. And then I'm going to have to da 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 and you start to spiral. She never, she just powered through it that time and like didn't ask any questions. This time she's like, where's the cheese? Donde esta el queso? And I was like, oh yeah, they don't, um, you're not allowed to have cheese on it. and. I thought she was going to put up, she, I thought she was going to melt, but it turns out and she was like completely took it in stride and devoured it anyway. But it's apparently they removed the cheese from the hamburger on the Happy Meal to get it under a certain calorie count. And I'm saying to myself, but I also removed like the pickle. The, first of all, the why a hamburger and a hamburger Happy Meal for kids where the majority of kids eating that friggin' Happy Meal are probably six years of age. Why that friggin' burger has onions and a pickle and anything other than cheese and ketchup is why that's the default setting for a cheeseburger and a Happy Meal is beyond me. But then also to say you cannot add cheese even after you take off the pickle and the onions also, why are you serving a second side if you're trying to get the friggin' meal under 600 calories? Is cheese the first to go? No. Apple slices, my guy. <sighs> Very odd. And uh, I think she was excited because she was going to get the Marvel's toy because it's all these female superheroes. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's great. You know, representation matters, all that shit. And uh, we go up and we get the Happy Meal and it's a Black Black Panther figurine. And I'm like, is Black Panther part of the Marvels? I mean, maybe like the new Black Panther. Uh, And then uh, it's like, no, they just, they're, they either ran out of the Marvels toys, the new toy, or they're like, we got to get rid of these Black Panther toys that we've had since literally fall of 2022, like last year. Ended up getting her a soft serve vanilla ice cream and a wafer cone, but she wanted a cup because she gets very, she gets very, (laughs) she starts to decompensate and lose it when she has like a soft serve, uh, any kind of ice cream and a cone because it melts too quick for her. It melts way too quick, goes all over her hand and she starts to freak out because her hand is wet and it's a whole whole ordeal. And I was like, no, we'll get in the cone. Don't worry, we'll we'll do it. We'll figure it out. And especially with McDonald's soft serve, like if you get if you like, I don't know, does anyone get brain freeze from McDonald's soft serve ice cream? It's like 
it's not ice cream. It's some kind of foreign substance material. Like, you know how like bananas, the claim is that bananas aren't real fruit, I guess. Okay, sure. Why not? Uh, genetically engineered, I guess, by man. And that's why it's like 60 cents for a dozen. <laughs> I think there's the same thing going on with McDonald's soft serve ice cream. Like it's not cream. It's something else, and it, it just doesn't give you brain freeze. It doesn't have the properties to give you brain freeze. So I was like, you can eat it really fast. You're not going to get brain freeze because she was very worried about that. She's like, I'm going to get the brain. Yeah. Like she forgot brain freeze. And uh, <laughs> so I was like, no, no, no. You can eat pretty fast. And also, here's a trick. You lick or like if you see it dripping, just lick. You can lick the cone like you're going to eat the cone. Like you're allowed to lick the comb. So you can lick if it's dripping. And the best way to do it is you just go all the way around. You know, just keep doing that and it won't drip down onto your hand or whatever. And she's like, what, what? I don't know, what? So she couldn't grasp it. So I was like, you want me to show you? So then I was like, this is all you got to do. <laughs> I went like halfway around and it, a major huge glob of the ice cream just fell on my shorts. So I was like, to, to in summation, to recap, I tried to show my daughter how to not let the soft serve ice cream drip anywhere and get it all over the place. And in doing so, I got it all over the place. Cool. And then, like literally five seconds later, she was she got like the other half of it on the seat. I was like, "All right, cool." Uh, it was great having her for the weekend. We did a lot, and I was happy to have her. Um, you know, she, we got in this really weird argument about Sing and Sing 2. Cause like Sing 2 is on Netflix. It always pops up as like, here, watch this, watch this, watch this. We've watched it a million times. I really enjoy the movie. Like, I don't mind watching it a million times. I cry for whatever reason every time during the uh, Clay Calloway finale. Every time. Escort some tears, Niagara Falls, every time. So sing to a very nice. I and I was like, well, uh, you know, I was like, well, you know, we watched Sing Two a bunch of times. Do you want to watch Sing One? And she was like, What? And I was like, Well, Sing Two is the sequel. It's the second one, Sing Two. There's a first one that came out before it called Sing or Sing One. And she was like, uh, um, no, sing two. Sing two, please. And I was like, but it's the same characters. Like, it's literally the same character, basically the same cast of characters in another movie. You don't want to see them do something different or see, like, what they were like before all this? She's like, nope, sing two. Regular sing, please. Regular sing. <laughs> well, that's not... It's not I know in your head you're thinking regular and regular to you is sing too, but you can't say regular sing. Expect like that's not. I need you to know that I understand, but no, but for future reference, like don't call it regular sing because then you know, people will put on sing, the first one, and so we got into like multiple arguments about that. Where I was like, I know you want to watch sing too. Sing too is not regular, okay? None of this is regular. Sing is the first one. Sing 2 is the second one. If you want to watch Sing 2, say, I want to watch Sing 2. We haven't watched Sing. She's like, I want regular Sing. 
<laughs> all right okay okay i mean I, I you know there's so many things that i could see her getting upset about like really pissed about but not a million years would it be sing how we call sing two versus sing one which is technically sing we ended up watching sing and for the first 15 minutes she's like she it's like she started off red hot like i don't want to watch this and then with every minute that passed, like her decibel level got lower and lower, lower and lower until I think maybe half hour in, she accepted her fate. Like, okay, Sing 2 is not going to come on. We gotta, we're going to watch Sing. Um, and uh, in all honesty, yes, Sing 2 is better. <laughs> like, it's just objectively better. But I did want to let her know, like, okay, maybe you would also like this movie because it's essentially the same people characters animals but yeah we all just do we'll do regular sing from now on <laughs> um i also started watching strange planet which is from uh the the creators of i think it's from uh co-written by and co-created by dan Harmon. i guess it's based on a series of books by a guy named nathan w Pyle, i think and uh, so Dan Harmon, if you don't know, he's the co-creator of Rick and Morty. I don't know if he was a co-creator of Solar Opposites. But so so Dan Harmon co-created Rick and Morty with Justin Roiland. Justin Roiland, I know for sure, is involved in Solar Opposites on Hulu. And now you get Strange Planet on Apple TV. Um, so far, I'm two episodes in. Yeah, two episodes in. And uh, it's just, uh, it's it's so s simply comedic. Like, it's so funny in simple terms that I get mad that I didn't think of it. It's like, they essentially wrote out a, a pretty straightforward script. Like, all right, here's just things that happen. And then we're just going to take out a thesaurus <laughs> or like tell, like, it's basically using different words to, funny words to describe normal stuff like the bus public bus is the group roller machine you know it's like just stuff like that where it's just in explaining simple truths uh in such a direct and straightforward manner and it's it's hilarious so i know it's getting pretty good reviews so i highly recommend that um and then we finished out the weekend my daughter and i by going to the peaches and sunflower festival at shady book farm uh, we got there, I guess, kind of late, a little quarter after two, I think. And you, you, so it's $15 a head to get in. Yeah, I guess it was worth it. But, uh, and then you pay $20. Yeah, $20 for a metal bucket that you put sunflowers in and a smallish bag that can fit inside the metal bucket that you can put all your peaches in, right? But there's no real direction about, okay, how do I get these peaches, said peaches and sunflowers. So I was like, yeah, sure. If that's the recommendation, I'll, I'll go for it. I've never picked peaches per se, but I have picked apples quite a bit in my day against my will. And, but I've never like picked sunflowers. That's going to be a trip. And so we, we get in. Brie goes on the air pillow, which she was very fearful of that because she, uh, well, I don't even know if I ever talked about that on the pod, but she broke her leg <laughs> when she was like, not even three, jumping on a trampoline at my uh 
my sister's place with her her bigger cousin, and so now she has like a, a an incredible petrifying fear of trampolines or anything you jump on. And I get it, my man. I freaking get it. You don't have to tell me twice. So, but it, with a little cajoling, she got on the air pillow and uh, had some fun. And then we went to there was like a playground area where there was like I don't know if these were mothers or care nanny caretaker situation so i was like i don't know like i said it's been three years you know (laughs) it's just like i'm getting like a provocative nanny vibe from you people but you you're all married with husbands right okay cool 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 cool. (laughs) you just don't what's happening what's going on like it's it's odd to think that like i had my child late no, I didn't. I mean, you know, we had uh, me, but me in particular, I was old. I was almost 38 when we had our daughter. So like to see uh, in most of America where it's not like a city metropolitan area, people get married and have kids fairly younger, right? On average. So like to see a woman in her mid to late twenties or early thirties, like chasing little rugrats around. It's like, Oh, and you're not like you're a cool mom. All right, cool. <laughs> what am I saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's the Peaches and Sunflower Festival. So she she plays on the playground for a little bit. We then go to the bouncy house. She didn't want to go down the giant slide. I feel like slides are another big fear of hers. I don't know why. Because we never really, as far as I know, I've never had an accident on a slide. You know, my sister had like some kind of crazy accident when she was four or five on a slide. Like we thought she was concussed. That was pretty, pretty rad slash scary. <laughs> it was like, okay, that's when I first found out, okay, don't let her fall asleep. Got it, got it, got it. So I went to the bouncy house. There was a, a mother there that turned to me and was like, boys, am I right? They're so rough. And I'm like, how do I say this? Like I know I'm a man. I used to be a boy. Those were a lot. It was a long time ago. I don't have like I. All of a sudden, I'm like, all I had to say was, "Yep, boys are rougher than girls." This is like literally all I had to agree to. And instead, I went through this rabbit hole in my mind of like, "Well, I'm gonna have to explain to her that I don't have a son, and I don't. Th- I don't think I'll have a son. It's not in the cards." And then like I have to follow that up with, "Well, it's not because." My, I'm no longer married and I don't know if I'm going to meet someone. <laughs> like you just start going down this entire path of conversation that's not happening. It's not happening. Just fucking say, yeah, dude. Yeah. Boys are rougher than girls. And so I did, but it took me a, a healthy, it felt like five minutes to say, yes, you're correct. Even though I only have a daughter. So I've heard boys are rougher. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then I had to like grill the high school kid that was working the bouncy house about like, hey, how am I going to get these peaches, peaches and sunflowers? Like, what, where, where does that come to play? Because I don't see any peaches, I don't see any sunflowers. And so she was like, well, you got, you know, you have to catch the wagon. And the last wagon is at four. And if you miss that, like, you can't walk between the fields, which is like, I get it, I guess, security concern. So, uh, once Brie came, once my daughter came off the bouncy house, it was like, it's wagon time. So we go in the wagon after getting her water and <laughs> to feel like, it. uh, yeah. So 
we get on the wagon. It's packed. Wagon stops. And we go to pick, pick the peaches first. And it's just, it, it, this whole experience was just, it was, it was mostly just women Instagramming. That's all it was. It was just one big Instagram photo opportunity, fo- photo op for all these women looking to like really floss and, and flex on IG. That's all it was. Like I was like look, trying to actually look for peaches and pick out the best ones. And there's a woman like sticking your head between the branches like, okay, go take the picture. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, and uh, to be honest, we picked a pretty healthy peck, I guess it's called a peaches, peck of peaches, Peter Piper pecked a peek of pucka pucka. And uh, I mean, Bree's pretty good. And I don't know if it was like the time we spent picking strawberries down in South Carolina, but I think it might've helped because she picked out some winners. And I think I did as well. Although a lot of them are not your typical, like, reddish orangey color they're mostly like they look like granny smith apples almost and uh i brought them home and i i washed them and i put a little vinegar in the little solution there to make sure like okay we're gonna completely make sure these are good to go and then uh pulled them out and they're like they look dirtier how's that possible i don't know they're all rock hard though how long does it take for you guys to soften up what's going on so uh, peaches were good or fun. Uh, and then we went across the sunflower picking area. And that I talked to a woman, and I, I know this is not her fault. And it, I'm not, there's no one, it's not a blame type thing. It's just like, what the, what the hell? Uh, <laughs> the, the low talking situation, low talkers, like my hearing fucking sucks. You know, tinnitus and whatnot. But like, if you're a low talker, I just, I get so frustrated. So she was a low talker and I guess she, I was like, Hey, how does this work? And she goes, um, like uh yeah sure i heard none of that okay <laughs> so we in and there's like a maze type situation i wasn't sure if i need if i can walk down the rows they're pretty tightly packed but again it was all women like just with sticking their head through sunflowers like look at me instagram jealous so uh <laughs> and w- one thing that i think they probably should have warned you about or us about on the website in person when you buy the tickets whatever the fucking bees man they're bees all over these sunflowers all over it's redonk like i'm supposed to and lo and behold like a cool 15 minutes before we're picking the sunflowers maybe 20 minutes and we're at the bouncy house i can hear because the teenager working the bouncy house has a radio on and over the radio all i can hear is like yeah she's she's allergic and she's behind the the chalk truck the chalk truck she's behind the chalk truck you get uh, gold five gold five can you respond to red six red six are you in the area blue blue eight blue eight you know he's just like using all these code names to get everyone to this person who i and i didn't put two and two together i was like Oh, she's alert. Like she didn't know she's allergic to sunflowers 
Although she didn't know she was allergic to peaches. I don't know. It could happen. You don't know until it happens, right? So I was like, oh, she's allergic to something like peaches or sunflowers, one of the two. And it's like, yeah, I just see all these uh, workers, staff just running towards uh, past me at the bouncy house. There's like a a truck called the chalk truck where you can draw. It's got a big blackboard on the side of it and you can draw on it, although no one was drawing on it. And I guess this person was behind the chalk truck. And you just see like people, all these, I almost got ran over by a freaking golf cart. Like it's just all these employees and staffers and golf carts just like speeding to this one area. And I was like, holy fuck, what the hell is going on? Like, is this person going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Total Recall when his helmet comes off on Mars? That kind of situation. And uh, it turns and it turns out, then I start seeing all these bees on the sunflowers and I put two and two together. And I'm like, oh, fuck. This woman got stung by a bee. She's allergic to bees. That's what's going on. I saw them loading her into the ambulance when we're getting on the wagon. And I was like, oh boy. And uh, my only assumption here is like, there's no way you can know that you're allergic to bees, approach those sunflowers, see the bees, and go through with it. Not a chance. So there's probably, she probably had no idea, has never been stung by a bee, and didn't know she was allergic to bees. Because if, if she knew she's allergic to bees, what the fuck are you doing there? Get the hell out of there. So hopefully she's okay. I mean, I hope she's okay. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that was like a, a serious pain in the ass to carry around those peaches and sunflowers. Though it was, uh, it, yeah, I think I have carpal tunnel. Um, of course, I had to hit up the sports zone, as they call it, <laughs> where it's literally like, Baseball throwing station, basketball shooting station, football throwing station. I was like, I, I just need to get through. Like, just let me throw one for each hole that there is, and we can go. Like, I cannot not participate in that. Um, so we kind of rushed through the last two or three things. There was like an obstacle course that she went through uh, for a while there, which was uh, nice. But the entire, from the moment I got the sunflowers and put them in the bucket, and fill them with water. I was like, all right, well, the, the bee time's over, right? Like the bees, they only go to sunflowers that are connected to the soil. Like they don't, once they're cut, the bees are like, ew, gross. Like, uh, <laughs> you know? Um, and no, the bees still are having at it pretty hard. So I was like, the whole time I'm like fearing, I'm just trying, well, you can't fear because they smell fear, right? So I was like, all right, Breathe, breathe in and out, in and out. But like, you know, there was a, we, we get in line for snacks and there's this, 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 like the quintessential, I mean, I don't, I can't say what I'm about to say about this kid, but it's just like, <laughs> like he's going to grow up to be a gambler. I'll just put it that way. Like a degenerate gambler. And he's behind us in line at the snack shack or whatever. And he's like, oh, oh there's bees. And I'm like, and thinking to myself, should I, was the sunflowers were a mistake. We know that because like wherever I take these, I'm just, I'm basically just bringing bees to people wherever I go. Like, Hey, want some bees? And so this kid was like, Oh, bees. And so I'm trying to like not listen to the kid as he freaks out that there's bees everywhere. I can't believe it hasn't stung Brie yet. I thought for sure that was going to happen. That's like a minus 1000 bet. Um, and so we're walking over to find a place to sit so she can eat her Doritos. <laughs> 
uh, and there's this couple, and the couple's like, oh, hey, where'd you get those peaches and sunflowers? Like, they were, they came off as either you are extremely naturally chill, or you are high AF. I'm going to go with high AF. Uh, and she was like, where'd you get those? I was like, oh, well, there's a, there are fields back there. The only way you can get to them is if you get on the wagon. Problem is the last wagon was at four and it's now, you know, it's almost five. So I'm really sorry. And, and, uh, she was like, can I buy one off you? And I was like, oh, in my head, I'm trying to do like price points. Like, okay, I know I paid $20 for the bucket and the peaches, but it said it's $3 a stem. I picked eight flowers at $24. Should I just charge her $3 a stem? No, that feels kind of. And the, eventually the guy stepped in and was like, no, 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 no. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? It's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I mean, I'm willing to sell them to you. They have no sentimental, like she doesn't give a shit. My daughter doesn't give a shit. So like, I'm cool with it. It's like, now I got to start doing math in my head. And that's when they were like, okay, well, before your head explodes, we're going to walk away. Um, But it was overall a good time. We were there for about three-ish hours. So. uh. You know, I think, I think she had a good time. Um, you know, I, I, she's into games and animals and it's like a lot of these places I've been taking her don't have games or animals or animals that you can pet. Like there was a, they have a goat pen or whatever pen with the goats, but like you have to, you need 50 cents to put in the gumball machine that has the goat feed to feed them. And I was like, I don't have any change. You know, I don't have any change. She's like, yeah, but I, I want to feed them. I was like, I change she's like i but I, dad i want to feed them she's into like repeating herself as if i don't hear her the first ten thousand times i hear you i cannot make this happen <laughs> and then uh my my time with her to cap things off we went to the pool a couple times but the second time uh by the way pool doing much better very murky and cloudy last time where i could literally could not see my hand in front of my face this time it's a like crystal clear so they must have figured it out. The lifeguard was different this time. The lifeguard, uh, long blonde hair, a firm jawline, bigger type person, muscular type person, tall, masculine features. My daughter <laughs> goes, looks at the lifeguard, points at the lifeguard and asks me, is that a boy or a girl? And I, loud enough for this friggin' dude to hear. I'm sorry, this person to hear. And in my head, I'm like, uh, if this were like 10, 20, 15 years ago, I would just be like, it's a boy. I'm 100% sure that's a boy. But it's like, I mean, Pride Month was a couple months ago. <laughs> you know, like Bud Light is in a trans people now. It's just like, I don't, what is the response I'm supposed to give here? And I know, like, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a simp, a basic simp cuck. I get it. <laughs> I, it, it jarred my brain. My brain froze for a uh, glitched. I was like, well, you shouldn't, I, I think my response I was going to go with was, uh, you shouldn't assume gender. <laughs> but I was like, this is clearly a dude. Uh, but I was like, you can't, you can't assume, like I was going to say you can't assume gender. I was like, that sounds so stupid. And I just ended up going with, uh, well, you know, sometimes, Boys have long hair and girls have short hair. Boom, mic drop. And I don't know if that dude appreciated it, but I was like, guy, I'm in a pretty tough spot here. 
Because odds are you are a guy just being a guy. But what is the 1% chance that you are in fact identify as a woman? You're a she, sh- her, she, 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 sure, he, sure, sure, she, she, her. And I have thoroughly offended and pissed you off because I assumed you're a, a guy. What are the odds? Because you're on the younger side. You're Gen Z and Gen Z is all about it. So, okay, boomer. That's life. I've watched so much TV. Too much TV? Probably too much TV. I had a video chat with a prospective date. And uh, this this woman does not have a TV in her bedroom, which is literally what every advice column says to do. Don't have a TV in your bedroom. Read a book before you go to bed. Don't look at your phone. Don't look at TV. I'm currently looking at four screens, and I'm going to bed pretty soon. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just watched way too much TV. And this this woman just does not watch any TV. And I was like, oh, boy, I need to change my life drastically. But, yeah, I watched a lot of TV. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, six shows I want to talk about. Yikes. The first of which is Arnold. This was the three-part uh, limited docu-series on Netflix. First part is called Athlete. It talks about his rise through the bodybuilding ranks through uh, Mr. Universe and Mr. Olympia. How he trans, and then part two is actor. How he transitioned from being this uh, world class bodybuilder to um, to becoming the actor that we all know and loved in the eighties and nineties, and then his transition in the early two thousands to uh, being governor of California. I know uh, some people are probably not happy about hearing this and whatever. I like Arnold a lot. And I know he's fucked up a lot. But uh, I just, I admire him and everything he does. Uh, You know, the first part talks about how, you know, his uh, upbringing in Austria. You know, this is post-World War II. You know, I remember uh, seeing a clip of him talking about how... um, the ravaging aftermath of World War II, you know, after uh, 1945, you know, the the lasting effects, aftershocks of World War II in that area, specifically Austria, and how a lot of um, fathers were alcoholics, and his father was an alcoholic, and he had a brother. Um, but his father's, I think the big advice or takeaway from his father that he mentioned in the docuseries was be useful, which I thought was, uh, it makes sense. Like, how am I useful? What is my purpose? You know, I, I often ask that almost every week. Like, wh- what is my purpose? Is what I'm doing uh, useful? Like, is it benefiting anyone? Is it really helping anyone? Um, you know, I, I don't want to say that I'm like anti-person. Um, I don't consider myself to be asocial. But I don't know that I have a, a huge reservoir of empathy. You know, I've talked about it multiple times where something could be happening and there's a crowd gathering and I'm like, I'm walking right by that shit. Like I just have no interest in having that experience with all these strangers and I avoid conflict and it's like, I'd rather just be alone. <laughs> it's like, oh, yay, yay. By the way, I don't want to die alone. You know, I know that my grandmother said it to my uncle, like, I don't want to die alone. And it's like, yeah, man, I hear you. I don't want to die alone either. But like, do I want to like attach and hook myself to someone just so I don't have to die alone? Or 
can I just like make a deal with someone and be like, hey, here's the deal. Uh, you you're on the you're on the the phone tree, and as soon as I shit starts to go south for me, you come in and then you just hang out with me, and we'll talk about the, like cool shit. <laughs> you know. Uh, luckily, I have a daughter, so I think she'll be game for that because girls are nice, or women are nice, and uh, they care for others <laughs> more so than men. Uh, and so I think uh, I'm lucky in that respect that hopefully she doesn't completely hate me by the time I, I turn for the worst. Um, but yeah, be useful. That kind of struck a chord with me. It was just like, yeah, every day, how am I contributing to... I mean, my legacy, which is very narcissistic because I don't, you know, I'm not building a very memorable legacy right now, but this is part of it. Like, why do you do the podcast? No one listens. Okay. Just trying to leave a legacy, a little something to hold on to. Uh, so there's that, but it's also like, uh, if someone can listen to this or hear this, um, and find it helpful in any way whether it's like lightening the mood, having a chuck, having a fall, um, you know, maybe shed a tear out of sheer pity, you know, the little things, then I guess I'm doing my job, right? But he is, he is the most useful person. <laughs> like this, I mean, like uh, most people would be happy with just one of these things, becoming a governor, becoming a blockbuster movie actor, becoming a world-class athlete. One of those three things, not to look like uh, Michael Fossbender and Glorious Bastards, if you're watching the video, but like one of these three things, um, I think a lot of people would be very happy with. And this motherfucker <laughs> did all three. He's incredible. And I know, I don't think he can technically run for president. Oh, way to go, U.S. citizen, you dunce. But if they ever ratify that shit, my God, I would vote for him in a heartbeat. The fact that he was married to a Democrat, ran as a Republican, and kind of, from what I understand, I didn't follow that closely when it was happening, but from this documentary, which I know is biased, reached across the aisle. I know he came in pretty hard and fast and strong and was like, I'm going to use sheer force and will to get my way, and it didn't work, and then he kind of softened ended up hiring a lesbian to be his secretary of state or secretary of staff, you know, basically his right hand woman, uh, and was managed to accomplish a lot from what I could tell. Like, uh, obviously his approval ratings, I think were pretty in the shitter when he first started, but like, I think he even got praised by Obama at, at certain points. I think it was during the wildfires, maybe his response to that, but like a lot of his, you know, stances on things. So, um, yeah, if he ran for president, I would friggin' in a heartbeat vote for him. So part one talks about his rise through bodybuilding where he wins me. He basically won the Mr. 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 Universe amateur competition in 1967 at the age of 20 and then won three straight Mr. Universes from 1968 to 1970. Um, so he's like, what, 20- three moves on to Mr. Olympia and he wins a bunch of Mr. Olympias in the early seventies, uh, up to 1980. 
you know, they talked about, what was it Hercules in New York, how much of a bomb that was and how, um, you know, people didn't take him seriously as an actor until Conan the Barbarian. That was kind of his breakout role. And then that's what ended up uh, leading to Terminator, which it's so funny that they were going to cast O.J. Simpson as the Terminator. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. And eventually passed on him because they didn't think he was a killing machine. Uh, so they spent some time on Conan the Barbarian. They spent some time on Terminator. Kind of glossed over Commando and Predator and Running Man and Twins. Oh, they did spend some time on Twins. They, you know, basically introduced introduced Danny DeVito and talked about that uh, relationship. Glossed over Total Recall. Glossed over Kindergarten Cop. Maybe kind of mentioned as like I guess Twins was his first foray into comedy. It was to show like his versatility, like I can do comedy. And then uh, Kindergarten Cop would have been his second biggest uh, comedy. So he has T2 in 91, which is, is like huge. And then True Lies 94 is really his, what many consider to be his last big successful movie. Last Action Hero, I would put, it should have been better, more highly regarded. I liked Last Action Hero, I think when I saw it in the theater. And then, uh, I mean, I appreciated it more as I got older. I'll say that. In the theater, I was like, huh, okay. Yeah, I, I think I like this. But it wasn't like your typical Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And then as I got older, I was like, all right. Yeah, I, I get this more. But I would say since True Lies, it's tough. You know, I don't know. Eraser, Six Days or The Sixth Day. Um, He just had a bunch of movies where it's like didn't necessarily land. Batman and Robin, you know, as Mr. Freeze. So then he was like, all right, kind of losing interest in Hollywood. In Hollywood is losing interest in me. What's my next, what's the next thing? I want to be useful. I, I, he thought, okay, I'm not, no longer useful in the weightlifting world. I'm going to move to acting. I'm no longer useful in the acting world. I'm going to move to politics. And so that's when he decided to run for governor um, when Gray Davis had the recall. When was the recall on Gray Davis? So there's allegations of groping and forceful and uh, in office that I thought it's it's good that he at least acknowledged it in the series. I don't think he went into much detail, and I guess that's uh, most PR people would say that's for the best. Like you don't want to get into the too nitty gritty. It's just like just acknowledge it happened, apologize for it, and try to move on. Um, and then he also ended up talking about what happened with uh, you know, him cheating on Maria Shriver and leading to the separation and the divorce and whatnot, and how he um he ended up the love child he had with the made um is now like in his his 20 or something like that is yeah is like in his 20 young 20 early 20s and like you can kind of see in the face like okay that's i could see the arnold there um but he's getting he's getting into bodybuilding now which is uh which is interesting but he just seems like he lives like man that's a good life he led a good life not to say it's over but like you see the house he's in now and he's got like these big ass dogs that love him. And he's got all these other pets like donkeys and pigs and chicken. I don't know. He's got a whole zoo wildlife reservation that he lives on. And it's, and, and he loves those animals and those animals love him. And, uh, you know, 
the maid, dude, the maid. Interesting. That's I was like, oh, okay. So, but I I thoroughly enjoyed it. And then uh, while I was down in South Carolina, I got to watch Quarterback on Netflix. Um, I really love this series, but I I've heard from a few people that this like it just didn't land for them. Um, and I could see why because I also watched Untold, the Johnny Manziel uh, documentary movie on Netflix. And that moves with tremendous pace, very quick, very high energy, no uh, slow, dull spots. It's just got a like incredible pace and, and quickness to it. Whereas quarterback, um, you know, it's different too. Quarterbacks, uh, what eight episodes? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. So uh, if you're not familiar. It focuses on three quarterbacks during the 2022 NFL season. Uh, the first quarterback of which is Patrick Mahomes, league MVP, Super Bowl champion. Next one is Kirk Cousins, Minnesota Vikings quarterback, much maligned. And then you have, uh, I don't want to say disgraced, Marcus Mariota. Like, high draft pick for the Titans, didn't pan out, lost his job to Tannehill. Went to Vegas for a year or two, and and is now uh, uh, as of the the beginning of the twenty twenty two season named the starter for the Falcons, and he looks good in that freaking uniform, dude. I liked the the number one, like everything. I mean, I I liked a lot of the Falcons uniforms, and to see Marcus Mariota in a Falcons uniform was cool. I was kind of hoping the Giants would sign him before we got Terod Taylor. Um. I thought that would be a nice little backup just in case. Cause you know, Jones had his injury issues. So it's like, it would have been cool to have Marcus. Mar oh, Oh, Daniel Jones got hurt. Oh, we just turned to Marcus Mariota. Cool. Um, but I ended up watching this down South Carolina with most of the episodes with my sister. And I didn't know, I didn't think she'd be interested, but she did. She did watch a couple other football documentaries on Netflix. So I was like, all right, like she doesn't watch games on Sunday. She doesn't know a lot of the players, but like this appealed to the dude, the former football player in me, but it also had, a, it showed a different, the, the home life of a lot of the quarterbacks, their wives, their children, how they handle that, how that, you know, interviews with the wives, the girlfriends, uh, and how they're able to balance both professional life and home life. So I think she really appreciated that aspect of it. And I did as well, to be honest, because it's like, you know, um, in each example, it's not, uh, you know, I think previous episode, the episode before, we're talking about trophy wives. And you, you think like, okay, a lot of rich NFL quarterbacks, like if there's a position that often has like the wag, quote unquote, or the trophy wife, the hot woman, as just like arm candy, it's the quarterback, right? That's just like the stereotypical old way, old fashioned way to think. But like, um, to see the dynamic in play, like, yes, there is a, a very, uh, it's not just, it's not just this superficial for show type thing. There's a, like in the Mahomes case, Patrick and his wife have been dating since high school and like, Patrick thought he was in the friend zone for two years. And it's like <laughs> so fucking nuts to think about like the high school sweethearts. And 
you know, Kirk and his wife met in college and uh, they are, they are religious. Holy crap. Are they religious? Like, you know, when the wife is talking about when things get rough or stressful, she just, you know, I just, I just put on my prayer music or like uh, gospel music or something like that. And it's just like, okay. And like the, the songs that Kirk sings to. So he reads like a sports illustrated for kids book to his son, which that son probably too old to have a nookie, a pacifier, probably too old. Uh, that kid looked like he was six or seven and still sucking on that nip, that fake rubber nip. Interesting. But he reads the Sports Illustrated for a kid's book, and I was like, oh, I need to slip that into the rotation with Brie. Just like on the off chance that maybe she kind of digs it and it like subconsciously like leaks into her brain. And then, you know, but uh, then he ends, he tucks them in at night and sings like this, this, <laughs> it's like religious song and i'm just like how do you hate kirk cousins i just don't like hate kirk cousins you can't hate kirk cousins you might not be very fond of a lot of what he's got what he's got going on but like to hear his story and to see what he went through like each one of these three quarterbacks went through hell in one way or another I mean, Mahomes, not so much until he gets to uh, the postseason where he, he severely sprains his ankle in that opening playoff game. I think it was the divisional game against the Jags. Um, to see him work through that and work back and, and win the Super Bowl is like, I mean, it's freaking incredible, dude. I mean, why anyone would doubt Patrick Mahomes from now on out is like, you're a fool. Kirk Cousins, it was like he bruised his ribs in that game against the Commanders, which I didn't know or remember. Where like uh he gets hit and um the the big dude, uh was it? I wanna say Payne. Darren Payne? No. One of the vicious, brutal monsters that's on that defensive line for the commanders lands on him, ends up bruising bruising his ribs, and literally every clip that they show of him in game playing is just him like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> it's just like, oh boy the things that he had to deal with during that season and still pull off all these come from behind wins. And, um, you know, I had a, another Eagles fan comment on my video from fucking January after the uh, giants lost the Eagles in the divisional round. Like literally that video, it's just Eagles fans commenting on my, on my, uh, video. Like not one goddamn giants fan is commenting like anything or even defending me. It's just like, Nope. Hey, Philly, have at it. This guy's a jackass. So, uh, you know, I know that they think that Minnesota were frauds, but like largest comeback victory in NFL regular season history or NFL history, regular season and postseason combined against the Colts. Um, huge win against the Patriots, huge win against the Bills in Buffalo. I mean, like fraudulent. I don't know about frauds. Um and knowing that Kirk had that rib thing going on, I mean, he had a, in addition to the uh, probably world-renowned training room that he has, he also hires like a group of massage therapists, body sculptor type people to come in to his house every Friday night and just like rub them down. It's like, man, what do I have to earn for that to happen? Because I would love that to happen possibly once a day. <laughs> 
<laughs> like, what's the going rate on that? How much do I have to earn for that to happen? Because I, I, I would love that. Because just the idea of like, just you do whatever you need to do to my body. I'm just going to lay here. Just you do me. <laughs> and then Mariota was just tough. Because it was like, they get off to kind of a rough start. They kind of battle back. They have, uh, they build some buzz. And then he has that throw, dude. It was like from the time that throw happened, as soon as it happened, it was like, oh, well, that's, I guess, what I, I completely forgot that throw happened. I, I, I don't know if it was against the Saints, where he's kind of tumbling to the ground and he's about to hit the ground and he kind of twins, he spins last minute and just literally throws the ball. Like, doesn't know where he's throwing it, not looking where he's throwing it, and just fucking taught, chucks it in the air. And I was like, oh, yeah. That that decision makes sense now. It's still kind of ambiguous what ended up happening. Like, uh, he just they the 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 story was he just doesn't he just disappeared and went absent and like failed to show up to practice, failed to show up to the facility, and the coach was like, we have, we have no idea where he is, and it was like, well, he was having a kid, but a lot of guys have kids in season. Like, I think even who was it? Was it? Kirk Cousins that also had a no 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 it was Mahomes that was having a kid right around Christmas. Same time as Mariota. But he's at practice and he's playing, but he's also the starter. And it's like from Mariota's standpoint, it kind of makes sense. It's like, well, you guys obviously you've told me that you want to move on from me. I'm not the starter anymore. Um, so I'm just gonna step aside. I don't want to be a distraction. And in doing so, he became a bigger distraction because it's like, well, you're abandoning your team. I don't know. And then, of course, he signs with the friggin' Eagles. Awesome. So I can only imagine like Hurts going down like in a game against the Giants or the week before. And we're like, oh, we get to, you know, Hurts isn't playing. We got a shot. It's like, no, no, no. Los Gigantes El Stinko versus backup quarterbacks for whatever reason. Think like, oh, Vic went down. And now we have to face Vince Young, who's a wash, you know, has been. He's washed. And then he leads him to victory. Cool, cool, cool. We still won the Super Bowl that year. Um, so, yeah, quarterback, highly recommend. I really liked it. Mostly because it got into the, I guess if you're not uh, a former football player or like a hardcore football fan, you're just casual, you wouldn't be interested in it. But like the they dive into a lot of the nitty gritty of, being a quarterback, like play calling, remembering the plays. I mean, literally on one play in the red zone, Kirk Cousins says like the whole string of the play and then gets to the why, which is the most important part of the play and says why, whatever. And yet the tight end knew exactly what he was talking about. Like why, whatever is not a play. He just said why, whatever, because he forgot what the what the route is called. <laughs> and the tight end still ran it and they scored a touchdown. So no, I as, as a former quarterback, I fucking loved it. How could you not? Speaking of quarterbacks, I guess really quick, Hard Knocks episode one, I got to watch it. I haven't watched hard a full season of Hard Knocks in I don't know how long, maybe since the Cowboys one, way back when. So I've kind of been out on the on Hard Knocks. It just doesn't feels the same thing every year. It's like they they have a formula and they really stick to it year to year. And so this one felt different. Like last year with the Lions, it's like cool because Dan Campbell. I think first year head coach or second year head coach and they feel like they're turning things around. Okay. I get it. 
And so Dan Campbell was really the main attraction-ish. This is like, it's friggin' Aaron Rodgers, you know? And I think they they kind of are breaking from formula a little bit. And like the first episode was, it was like, they understand, they understand the job, the task at hand. It's like, we need to make sure that we feature Aaron Rodgers every four seconds. <laughs> like we need a shot of him. Even if he's not saying anything, we need his reaction to everything that's going on. And uh, I mean, it held my attention. It did the job. So kudos to them. Will it get too old too quick? I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I I liked it. And I probably will watch the rest of the series. I think it's, it's entertaining enough, especially if uh, there's some twists and turns. But apparently Rogers loves New York. And is in, in is better than expected as far as he's concerned. So um, that opening speech, though, by Robert Sala, Salah, holy shit, dude! <sighs> if you haven't watched it yet, it opens with Salah talking to the entire team uh, in an auditorium, and he says, uh, "Did you know that the only bird?" I think the bird that will attack an eagle is a crow. And it will do so by hopping on the eagle's neck and pecking at the neck. So hopping on the eagle's back and pecking at the neck. And it said, he says that the eagle uh, could have just torn it to pieces, probably. It's bigger, you know, it's, uh, it's more aggressive, more physical. It'll win that fight. But instead of doing that, it just uh, flies and flies higher and higher and higher and flies higher and higher until the crow can't breathe or take it anymore and falls off. And he's like, uh, yeah, let's be that eagle. Just ignore the, the knocks on us, people attacking us, and just fly higher and higher, and they'll eventually fall off. And it's like, uh, I'm not a big fan of the Jets, but may I play for you? <laughs> you... I will suit up. So hard knocks off to a hot start. Uh, and then I, uh, from one quarterback to another, to another. Untold Johnny Menzel uh, on Netflix. I, I need to watch more of the Untold series. I think I watched Malice of the Palace, but I think that was the 30 for 30. I, haven't, I don't know if I've watched the Untold one. So uh, I was like pretty much all of America was enamored infatuated with Johnny Manziel when he was at Texas A&M. I was like, thank God almighty. Thank the Lord above Allah. Thank you for giving us a quarterback who doesn't fit this boring ass vanilla mold who just always says the stat, the pat answer during interviews, who is like by the book, Bible thumping, you know, uh, I guess Tim Tebow. Right. It was just like, oh, praise God and quoting, you know, I just like the fact that this dude was a party animal, <laughs> but was also good at football because I like to party and I like football. So I thought like, OK, it's just nice to see that us party animals are still <laughs> we still got some juice in the game, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it's you, know, you can see why you don't. Uh, have more of Johnny's ilk 
um, making it in professional football. It's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like all that partying will catch up to you and it will damage your reputation and it will detract from your play and like all that stuff. But it was interesting hearing like Cliff Kingsbury talk about Johnny football and be like, um, yeah, I, I didn't care uh, what he did necessarily as long as he still played good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, all right. You sound like a college football coach. <laughs> that makes sense. We're going to look past all this bullshit that, you know, getting arrested and uh, getting pulled out of a frat party because you're too drunk and fighting and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like as long as you uh, can suit up on Saturdays and dominate, all Gucci, my man. But uh, so they uh, they they basically follow him from uh, growing up in Kerrville, Texas, attending Tyvee High School, where they had practice before school and after school. Holy shit! Um, and he kind of used that as a crutch. He was like, he blamed that for turning him off from football, where it's like, uh, you know, it was so regimented and strict and disciplined that he kind of went the opposite way, which can tends to happen with some people. You go to a very Catholic high school or, you know, some kind of hoity-toity prep school, and then you have all these guardrails and rules and, you know, whatever restrictions. And then uh, as soon as those go away, it's like party time. Like I'm going to go complete opposite. So I get that. But then I think about like my football program, like if they were like, yeah, show up in the morning early morning we're gonna do all this and then show up in the afternoon it's like i i would have done it probably <laughs> maybe i would have been a better player but the fact that he scored 75 touchdowns in one high school football season is outrageous dude i cannot believe that that is uh as toit and it's and and what's weird about johnny football is like he's not a big guy 510 511 he even admits it i'm like 510 maybe 511 and I guess he's fast. He has to be fast, but it doesn't seem like it. Does that make sense? Like I watch him. These are simple plays where it just doesn't look like he's faster than anyone else, but he is faster than everyone else. And he like, he even said it like, uh, you know, he's not much of a playbook guy. <laughs> he's just basically backyard football. Like, I'm going to run away from the guys tackling me and I'm either going to run with it or I'm going to find someone that's open somewhere, which I, I love that. He wanted to go to, to the university of Texas. He had all kinds of longhorn gear. Uh, obviously does not go there. He ends up at A&M. Mac Brown, by the way, passed on a lot of dudes, Mac Brown, a lot of dudes that turned out to be really good, at least in college. Um, but he completely re, you know, revitalized the program, put him on a map, and it, it kind of ties into the NIL whole situation where it's like, well, if the NIL existed, he would be a like a not a billionaire, but he would be way richer than he is right now. Um, you know, they ended up from all the new booster money that they were getting, uh, and all the money being pumped to the program, not to Johnny Menzel, they were able to like build a new stadium. All the hotels are booked. Uh, millions of jerseys sold, which blew my mind. I didn't realize that. And he doesn't see a dime of it. That kind of sucks. Um, I completely forgot that he came out after a sophomore year in college, wins the Heisman freshman year. And, you know, the fact that he 
as brash and as bold and as confident as he appears, the fact that he, after he beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa, seeing that crowd, like the, the wild crowd outside, scared him. And like his mom even acknowledging, I've never seen him that scared. Like, that's huge. That's huge. So to win the Heisman freshman year when it's like no, almost no one wins the the Heisman freshman year. But you looked at when, uh, about uh, like who he went up against. Manti Teo, fake girlfriend, <laughs> and Colin Klein from Kansas State. I don't remember Colin Klein one iota. I had to Wikipedia him, and I'm like, oh, well, big dude can run and can also throw. And the first to do this and the first to do that in Kansas State history, and it's like, well, it's Kansas State football. It's not like they have a very rich history. But okay, what's Colin Klein up to? Okay, he's the like, I think he's now the offensive coordinator or head coach at Kansas State or something like that. So good for him. It's just like I do not remember Colin Klein at all. That's on me. So to go from uh and to for him and his friend Uncle Nate, which why they never revealed revealed why they call this kid Uncle Nate. I mean, it's literally his best friend who's the same age, same grade, like childhood friends. Why is he called Uncle Nate? Like I know. I called myself Uncle Neil when I was 24-year-old playing on a team, summer baseball league team, where it was mostly 18-year-olds. And I was like, hey, you can call me Uncle Neil. <laughs> I'm six years older. Why, why Uncle Neil? So no revelation as to why they call him Uncle Nate. But um, of course, they're going to start charging for autographs You know, when they're at the Super Bowl or you know, the Orange Bowl or the National Championship in Miami. So it was Alabama, Notre Dame. Um, he gets approached by a bunch of guys in Miami and they start making these deals to sign autographs for merch and they and they just make a ton of money. Um, and so uh, he has all these pictures of him on social media with these fat stacks of cash. And so that raises the ire of the NCAA and they start to investigate. And that's when Uncle Nate comes up with the, the brilliant idea of saying his family is from money from oil money and so that's why he has so much money it's like good on you uncle nate um but then they so after sophomore year when he goes to the i guess the the trial and the hearings and whatnot he ends up parting ways with uncle nate and that was legitimately sad <laughs> it was like you can see it's still i mean that happened 10 years ago you can see you can see it still affects uncle nate that's tough and you kind of hoped, like, uh, from that moment on, I, I kind of hoped that they would have, like, a reunion of sorts. Like, they would end it on a happy note. And it's like, well, after all this time, I realized, like, it was, we're both responsible and, like, whatever. And they kind of get back together. Nope. Spoiler alert. doesn't happen. So, uh, but you can see the he comes off the rails pretty much entering, going into the 2014 NFL draft. He, like, cleaned up his act. So, 2012... They're a ranked team. I think they lose one or two games. They win their bowl game, I think. 2013, they go eight, eight and four. So it's a definitely a huge step back. They should have won more games. And, and Manziel says it was on him. You know, that's why they didn't win more games is because of him. So taking accountability, I guess. And then he gets hooked up with a sports agent. The sports agent, by the way, entertaining. But it's like, if I had to deal with you every day on a daily basis, I would drink and do drugs. <laughs> like, <laughs> holy shit, dude. Calm down. 
and I, I assume that's how all agents are just like oh my god just so aggro um i guess they have to be to get the best deal for their clients but I, you would think that like teams and executives would wise up to it like these agents are blowing smoke up your ass 24 7 i don't i can't imagine dealing with it but um you know the the agent starts talking about all the things that started to go wrong like okay you just need to get sober don't drink train you know with these people and you're gonna go in the compound you're gonna blow them away and then if you can be a top five pick you can get x amount of dollars which means i get x amount of dollars and you know the higher you pick the more money you make et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of people didn't happen to, to go in the first round and then he starts impressing people and then he uh gets too fucked up to <laughs> attend attend the combine in indianapolis he comes late he claims he overslept, uh, ends up doing well in the Scotting Combine, gets more attraction, his stock goes up, and then Pro Day comes, and he gets fucked up with a bunch of wide receivers that he was supposed to throw to the next day. They don't show up. <laughs> so his lawyer and his agent are running roots at his Pro Day. The Browns are in attendance. And somehow, they watch that, don't put two and two together, and still draft this dude. And that's why they're the Browns. On draft day, he slips. The Jags pass on him. They, they end up picking uh, Blake Bortles. Uh, the Cowboys pass on him. They end up drafting, drafting Zach Martin. Uh, and then he falls to the Browns. He goes to Cleveland. He's not happy. Shocker. Not being happy in Cleveland. And then he uh, ends up drinking and drugging. And like he, pur he purposely self-sabotages to get out of that situation. Uh, ends up losing. I think he went down from two fifty from two fifteen to one seventy five. It was like remarkable. It almost looked CGI. It was like, whoa, dude. They put Johnny Manziel's body on like McLovin's or Johnny Manziel's face and head on McLovin's body, or DJ Qualls from Road Trip. And so uh, he ended up going to rehab, and I guess really spiraled. He said he was gonna take his own life. He's going to party as hard as he could, blow all his money, and, and then take his own life. And, and uh, fortunately, he did not because that would be really, really trash. So um, good that he's still around. They didn't, I think part of my take mentioned this, but like they didn't talk about what the, like there was no epilogue. Like, okay, well, what what's he doing now? It was just like uh, he's in Scottsdale at this like amazing house. And hanging out and like kind of still partying with friends. It's not like hardcore partying. Like he's still lighting a joint or cigar. He's still drinking, but he's like, he's uh, made amends with his, he's repaired the relationship with his father and his family, which is great. Um, so yeah, it was, it was entertaining, but it feels like that it's not over. Like there's, there's, that's, that feels like a part one, you know? Um, I mean, the dude is like turned 30 in December, so he's going to turn, you know, 31. It's still pretty young and it doesn't necessarily feel like, uh, he's out of the woods just yet. Like they talked about his relationship with, um, what's her name? Carly Crowley. I guess that was the, the woman that he got, uh, into fights with and the cops had to be called and then he got a restraining order against him. And then uh, I just did a quick search. Like he was married to Brianna Tiesi, a model 
for like three or four years and I guess they broke up. But um, part of my take guys say that he has opened a bar in Scottsdale or that he's opened a bar in College Station. I think if you open the bar in College Station, it would probably do better because <laughs> uh, they were obsessed with him. So yeah, that was untold, the Johnny Menzel story. Um, I don't know that we need to really talk too much about Twisted Middle, Hijack, River Wild, Don't Worry Darling. Um, so maybe we'll get to that next week because it's a lot. I have thoughts. So we're going to skip ahead to the Mets and the Giants. All right, Mets, really quick. The July numbers, we went over them. We 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 went over the June numbers last time, and they were not pretty, right? July numbers, and I know we're two weeks past then July, but uh, I think it's important to note that we were 14-9 and nine in July. I know it probably doesn't feel like it, but that's a 609 winning percentage, and if we continue to get that winning percentage over the course of the season, the remainder of the season, I think we get a playoff spot. So it is interesting that we did sell at the trade trade deadline, although hardly any logical, rational Mets fan will tell you it's, it was the right move to make. Like um, It's just even with that 14-9 record in July, um, we started 6-0, and and then we went 8-9. and And I think it was losing to the White Sox, even though we took the series, like losing one game to them when we're clearly have the better record than them Probably should have been a sweep. Probably deterred uh, management in the front office from going in and buying. Losing to the Nationals. That's another team that you should probably sweep. Uh, not capitalizing against the Yankees or Red Sox. Like taking another game from them. Like they like we 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 had games in our grasp. And not to say that we're necessarily that much better than the Yankees or Red Sox, but the fact that we had them and they were in a, like the Yankees were in a bad spot, and we probably should have beat them. Red Sox, we we let one get slip away. Padres as well, like the, that's another one where Padres have been struggling big time, and we didn't take advantage of it. So, yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, we suck on the road. We're twenty four and thirty eight. Our record is less than four hundred on the road. So it's like that's been a big contributor to things. Um, you know, we ended up. Uh, and, you know, people are saying, like, look at how bad we were after the trade deadline. It's like, well, there were also teams that sucked after the trade deadline that were buyers. And how, mu- how, how much more pissed would you be if we bought the deadline and we were 0-6 or 1-5, you know? So uh, ultimately, it's still the right move in my mind. Um, but it is, it is such a, like I said before, it's a fine line between, like, when do you push the gas and when do you pump the brakes? I don't know because if there's a so if you beat the White Sox, you beat the Nationals, you take a game from the Yankees, you take another game from the Red Sox. That's four more wins. We're now at uh, eighteen and five in July. <sighs> like it, it really came down to it feels like three or four games, two or three games. That was the difference between them saying yeah and no. We released Luke Voigt. This was like a couple of weeks ago, but I felt like that was pretty dumb. Like we sign him. He's absolutely crushing the ball in the minor leagues. We don't have a legitimate DH. Why not just bring him up and give him a shot and give him like a week, two weeks? Give him the rest of the season. You have gotten zero production out of your DH uh, position in the lineup. Just let Luke Voigt have at it. 
my thought there is it must have had to come down to a business financial thing where it's like maybe if we were in the running we would bring him up but the fact that we don't think we have a shot at the playoffs it's not worth bringing him up and so we end up releasing him but i don't know i still think i still think you bring him up regardless let's just let's see some dingers bro um yeah so like there are a lot of no names in the lineup um, after the wholesale fire sale, Danny Mendick, uh, Jonathan Aruz, Raphael Ortega, DJ Stewart. You know, it's a lot of dudes that, um, you know, we're not used to seeing on, in the, on the positive side of things, Tim LaCastro coming back, Sam Coonrod coming back. It looks like, uh, I mean, Drew Smith still stinks, but it looks like, um, the guy they got from the Dodgers, Phil Bickford, looks like he's pretty cool. He's already picked up two two saves as a Met, I think. The August numbers, not so great. We were 0 6. It was the complete opposite from the start of July. We we're 0 6 to start. We got swept by the Royals, who have legitimately 70 plus losses, less than 40 wins on the year in Kansas City. And then we get swept by the first place Orioles in Baltimore. Um, and it's like, oh, so we're really just we're not even gonna try. Like we're to and I and I you people are throwing around tank mode and I get it. It's you know, all right, whatever, tank mode, but I think I legitimately think the cub the clubhouse and the team and a lot of the players to a T were shocked and stunned and did not see this coming and are like uh, can't are in denial about the reality of the situation, which is front office and or and the management thinks we don't we're not going to make the playoffs. And so I think it really like threw everyone for a loop. And it was just like, they weren't able to recalibrate and get their heads back in the game until the Chicago series. When they took two or three from the Cubs, one of the hottest teams in major league baseball, by the way, uh, they were 10 and five over the last 15 days, days as of August 10th. Right. And that includes, I guess that includes the series against the Mets. So they were like, they had lost, Three games in the last, you know, uh, 12. You know, I, I like that was somewhat impressive. And as a Cubs fan, you must be so pissed because it's like, all right, we're going to lose these schmoes. And then uh, then we went up against the Braves and we got shut out pretty handedly in the first game. Then we had the doubleheader, game one of the doubleheader. We just refused to dress anyone of importance and lost by uh, two touchdowns and a field goal. <laughs> two tu- uh, touchdown, extra point touchdown, a two point conversion and a field goal. 21 to three. We were outscored 34 to three in the first three games of the series. It was the worst run differential over a three game stretch in franchise history. No big deal. And then, but then we turn around, we win the series finale on Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, uh, you know, a slot, a block that we never went in. So um, interesting. And it's behind Kodai Senga. Thank you very much. Monday, we beat the Pirates 7-2 to at home. And it's like, what is going on here? We, we're building something special. And then, of course, tonight, Tuesday, we're facing a pitcher named Bailey Falter and can only scratch together a run against Bailey Falter. Hmm. Um, and then it completely unravels in like the seventh or the eighth where we give up uh, six runs um, and then uh, 
kind of scratch back lost 74. But it is interesting the approach that we're taking now, like whether it's Carrasco or Peterson, it's like uh, you know, I think Carrasco threw 88 pitches through three innings, three and a three and a third, three and two thirds, and then Peterson tonight, 90 some odd pitches in three and two thirds. It's like these fucking pitchers are struggling, like barely getting out of innings. Um, able to work themselves out of jams, but you're giving us literally less than four innings. And so that's uh that's gonna put that's gonna stress the bullpen. So right now it really looks like all you have in terms of uh legitimate opportunities, chances to win are uh Senga and Quintana. And Quintana's not even going that deep in most appearances. So yeah, I wouldn't uh I'm not counting us completely out. I know that there was a commenter, Mario something or other, that was like, dude, the Mets season, blah, blah, blah. Dude, the Mets season was over a month ago. I was like, well, a month ago would be July 15th. That was a full two weeks before the deadline. I don't know that we were necessarily thinking that it was over a month ago, but thanks. Please take care of your brother, Luigi, and I hope you beat Bowser. And uh, good luck with Princess Peach, my man. Um, since the trade deadline, this was a, as of eight, nine, August 9th. I mean, like what I was talking about, Arizona in the thick of it, in the playoff hunt buyers, we dealt Tommy fan for them. They were 0 and seven through eight, nine through August 9th. Uh, by the angels, dude, in an effort to, I guess, attempt to keep Shohei Otani were buyers. They were one and seven, the first eight games after the deadline. Uh, the Padres three and four. Milwaukee's like four and four. So it's like, you know, you'd be fucking so furious if we went out and bought and bought and bought and uh, ended up having a five hundred to losing record because you, you probably would have to sacrifice more of our farm system. And we did the opposite. And we I, people keep saying replenish the farm system. It's like, all right, we got seven guys, and maybe they're all top twenty, top thirty prospects. I don't know if it's replenished, but it's certainly a good, we're heading in the right direction. You know, so where do we go wrong? The season, uh, for me, comes down to three series. And, you know, I, maybe I shouldn't count the last series because that's after the trade deadline. But it's just simply not winning against teams with worse records, losing records. Some may say bad teams. Two and four against the Rockies, who are 46 and 73. Can't have it. 0-3 got swept by the Tigers in, Detro uh, in Detroit, who are 53-65, and 65, which they have basically the same record as us, but at the same time, they were, had a much worse record than us when we played them. And then the Royals getting swept by the Royals, who were 39-81. and 81. You know, it, it, it's, it's crazy to think that over a 162-game season, as of right now, it really came down to five to 10 games, but that's, yeah, that's such a small, when you think about it, it's such a small sample size of 162 game season, but it's really five to 10 that really altered the path and made, made, you know, a lot of people think, no, it's not, it's not in the cards. Um, but it's, it's funny, like <laughs> timing, you know, I have poor timing. A lot, of, a lot of things in life come down to timing and the timing was just off. Pete Alonso has blown up on fire. Francisco Lindor heating up. Jeff McNeil heating up. 
Lindor, since the start of July, is hitting 303. Uh, six doubles, two triples, six homers, 15 RBIs, and 24 uh, runs scored. He finally reached the 2020 mark, which is 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases. And he becomes the first, first Mets player with at least 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases since Carlos Beltran in 2008. Say what you will, but this guy should have been an all-star this year. He should have been an all-star last year. Jeff McNeil in the month of August, batting 315. The 811 OPS, you know, he's been under 700 for pretty much the entire season. The double, two homers, seven RBIs, and nine runs. Uh, Pete Alonzo has the most seasons of 35 or more home runs as a Met. Four times Mike Piazza, Strawberry, Daryl Strawberry, Hojo, and Dave Kingman, all three seasons each. Why you would want to trade this guy, I have no idea. There's no way he's going to ask for too much money. He loves the Mets. He loves playing. It's his favorite team. He loves playing for them. If we're going to, and some, I saw this tweet somewhere. If we're going to pay two over the hill aces $40 plus million a season, we can afford P. Alonzo, who has at least another five good seasons in him, I think. Uh, most home runs by a Mets rookie in a season. Obviously, there's Pete Polar Bear at 53 in 2019. But the next person, next Mets player, is Daryl Strawberry with 26 in 1983. And right below that, two five away. Although he might have closed it since then, Francisco Alvarez with 21 this year. So really hoping he uh, is considered for Rookie of the Year. That'd be sweet. Him and Kodai Senga both battling for that uh, title. And then, uh, so the list continues with Ike Davis, 19 home runs in 2010, and Ron Svoboda with 19 and 65. It's like, which one of these does not belong? <laughs> Ike Davis, oh my God. Uh, I'll say this, as, as fucked as the season is, the second half of September could be fun. We exclusively play the Marlins and the Phillies for from September 18th, I think, until the uh end of the month 13 straight games of marlins and phillies and the marlins and phillies are currently like in the thick of the playoff hunt like leading the wild card uh second wild card spot so the fact that we could have a a, a few call-ups that i'll get into in a little bit that could come up and play spoiler is just i love that I love the fact that we could spoil the Marlins season and spoil the Phillies season after they have spoiled back to back seasons in 07 and 08 would be pretty, uh, a bit nice, nice little taste, sweet taste of revenge. Um, so things to look forward to if you're a Mets fan, right? Uh, I mean, there are a couple of developments to watch before some stuff happened, but Brett Beatty was, was we were keeping an eye on him and he got demoted and it makes sense. I mean, you look at his numbers, the kid was struggling. He was in his own head. He's now goes down to the minors and he's tearing the ball, the cover off the ball. And it's like, I don't know if you keep doing it for another week or two, I guess we can call you back up because I don't know that Danny Mendick is the answer at third. Um, Mark Vientos is another guy to keep an eye on. It seems like he hits the ball real hard, but it's always to someone. So, uh, you know, his OPS is below 600. I think he's heading maybe around 200, maybe less than 200. Feels like he, uh, you know, I don't know how much time he has left up at the major league level. He's getting time now, folks. 
but he continues to make errors in the field and he's not getting hits. He's not getting on base. So we'll continue to play him, but just for all the Mark Viento stands, like settle. Uh, and then Mauricio. Mauricio is the one that I'm most excited about. Um, you know, I think he, uh, Anthony Dacoma mentioned that he might be going through some fatigue issues because he has been playing, he said like 18 straight months of baseball, which is just a, <laughs> that'll make anyone want to quit. Uh, but since July 16th, Mauricio is batting 228 with a 26.4% strikeout rate. Um, so it feels like maybe, you know, that could be a fatigue thing or it could be like, I am kind of tired of playing at this level and I know I'm going to get called up. So I'm going to coast a little bit that can happen with some younger players, I think. Um, and then, uh, Edwin Diaz is eyeing a, a late September return. Why? If for some miraculous reason we are in the playoff hunt. Okay, fine. If we're eliminated from the playoffs, why? Why would you risk it? Why would you even think about that? And I, I, the same thing happened with, I think, Syndergaard with Thor and with, uh, it might have happened one of the seasons with DeGrom where it's like, we're out of the playoff hunt. There's no reason for you to come back. Maybe this is like, it'll provide you some kind of boost in the short term. But do you think that's going to carry over the long term? Maybe. I don't know. I just uh, rather not. Same with Starling Marte. Like, uh, obviously, his groin, whatever is ailing him that has been ailing him, you know, this injury that's dated back a long time is affecting his play. His play. It's impacting his play. Just shut her down, dude. Shut her down. You're not going to be of any help to us. Uh, again, uh, maybe if there's some miraculous playoff push that we pull it out of our ass, great. But at this point, there's no rush to get back. Like we've kind of half raised the white flag. It's not like a full raise. Um, and of course, there are reports now coming out that Verlander is a diva and that he didn't get along with Scherzer, which is news to me, my man, because it was like, oh, they both played in Detroit, so they're both familiar with each other, and they both like each other, and they're friends. And it's like, well, so, oh, that's not the case. Great, grand, wonderful. So glad we we signed him. Um, and, of course, both of them are pitching, like, off the charts, <laughs> like, so well for their respective teams. Um, I know Scherzer did get lit up a little bit in the first portion of his start first start for the rangers but then settled down and then his last start was like seven innings no runs so yeah he's settling in but i'd still like to see what happens when september rolls around and october because i honestly think that both those dudes are gonna fall off odds are so what does the uh what does the what are the 2024 mets oh well september call-ups i guess we can go over that so obviously Ronnie Mauricio is at the top of the list who I, I'm most excited to see. Um, but uh, Carlos Cortez uh, is scorching hot right now. Over the last month in AAA, he's he's hitting 343 with a 1.085 OPS across 83 plate appearances, plays both the corner outfield spots. Hello. Um, so that could be an interesting call up. Mike Vassell. Uh, started 2022 at low A, ending the year at triple A, 23 years old, um, almost through a no-hitter, which Gelbs mentioned on one of the recent broadcasts that Gary Cohen spoiled, no big deal. And um, 
He does have a 5.48 ERA, which is not great. Um, but he is the one of the team's top pitching prospects. And uh, I think even Anthony DiComo has said that he should be in consideration for starting rotation in 2024. Luke Ritter, the Mets' best power threat prospect outside of Mark Vientos, who we haven't, we all, we, we've addressed that already. 23 home runs, over 421 plate appearances in AA and AAA. He's 26 years old, um, walks 15% of the time, which is above average, and can play multiple spots in the infield. Um, so that could be an option there. And uh, he's certainly more intriguing than Jonathan Aruz and Denny Mendick. And then Nate Lavender, ah, the calming, soothing side effects of Nate Lavender. Bullpen arm, AAA. He's a lefty, love that. 2.63 RA across AA and AAA. Strikes out a ton of people, but also walks a ton of people. <sighs> Below Drew Smith. And his fastball average is around 90-91. Um, so it could be, could be cool to see him in September. So those are September call-ups. Of those, I mean, they all sound they all sound good to me. It's like you know, I'm I just would love to see them, just to see if the the hype is real, see what we got. So Anthony Decomo did a quick um, rundown of what he believes will the 2024 Mets will look like. He believes that Lindor, Nimmo, Alonzo, McNeil, Alvarez, and Marte are locks. I'm not so sure about Marte, although I, I assume. Uh, most of the, the coaching staff in the organization are going to give him a mulligan for 2023. Be like, you know what? Injuries, you know, if you were injury free and you played like this, it would be another thing. Injuries definitely uh, significantly hampered your performance and production. Internal possibilities, Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, Marani Mauricio, and then almost certainly gone is Daniel Wolgeback, which I think a lot of the fan base would agree with. Um, insane that we weren't able to deal him at the deadline. Uh, I think that kind of speaks to how uh, he underperformed this season. As far as the starting rotation goes, the locks are Kodai Senga and Jose Quintana. The internal possibilities are uh, well, the guy we just mentioned, Mike Vassell, David Peterson, Tyler McGill. <sighs> Not exactly thrilled about that starting rotation. I think that's going to be a major area of concern and a, a, probably a top priority in free agency, if I had to guess. Almost certainly gone is Carlos Carrasco, which makes a lot of sense um, after having a pretty decent 2022. Um, just an atrocious 2023. So uh, I wish him all the best. And then for the bullpen, the locks are Diaz, Ottavino, and Rayleigh, which a lot of people would have liked to see maybe both Ottavino and or Rayleigh dealt considering their age um, and declining performance. Uh, internal possibilities, Grant Harbwig, Sam Coonrod, Coonrod, Drew Smith, Phil Bickford, Trevor Gott, Josh Walker, Nathan Lavender. So Nathan Lavender was one of the call-ups we talked about. Bickford was acquired. The Dodgers, we got Gott in a trade. And then uh, Walker, I don't know, has been that great. I think he's on the IL. So the bullpen, we need arms. You know, I know we keep going back and forth of what we need, offense or arms, and it's like, well, if Marte comes back completely 100% healthy in 2024 and can stay healthy for 2024, which is a huge ask, you're looking at a corner outfielder and third baseman to pick up in free agency at minimum. So that's two players there. 
rotate starting rotation you probably need at minimum three guys so that's now five players you're looking to to acquire in free agency and then the bullpen dude i mean you probably need another i don't even know how many arms in the bullpen so you're looking at a, a, a more than a hand's worth almost two hands worth of players to really make this roster feel like it's going to be competitive in 2024. Cause it, you know, even when Lindor and Nimmo and Alonzo and McNeil and Alvarez, like if they, if all one, two, three, four, five of those guys are in lockstep or are firing in all cylinders, you can win games. It's just when they're, when they're not all firing, that's when you can uh, slip and slide. You know what I'm saying? So that's the Mets. All right. Let's talk about the giants. Okay. Uh, as I mentioned, I was only able to watch the first half of this uh, preseason game against the Lions. I was thoroughly impressed with the defense. You know, in the first few series, you had Jason Pinnock p- picking off the first attempted pass. Dane Belton with interception. Jason Pinnock, I think, a sack or a tackle for loss, a pass breakup. Jason Pinnock is our starting safety, but it's also very comforting to know that Dane Belton. I don't know what happened last year. I don't know why he or how he got in the doghouse, but I'm hoping he's corrected that because it seems like he's a baller and a player, a guy that can make plays. So uh, it would be great if, if Pinnock is a starter. Man, Belton's a nice insurance layer to have. Um, it was it stunk that the offense could not capitalize. We didn't have a lot of the starting offensive linemen other than John Michael Schmitz, I believe, and Josh Zudu. Azudo didn't have a, the best grades from PFF, and I don't know that John Michael Schmitz did either. But I thought he played really well, and he got some pretty good feedback and reception from his play. I didn't think Tarod Taylor did anything that special. I think he is at the point where he's like, "I'm the veteran. You've seen what I can do. Deal with it." Um, Tommy DeVito looked more impressive, but again, that's like a rookie who's trying to make his, you know, put his stamp on his tenure with the team. Um, so I think he, he threw the ball. Well, Cole Beasley looked good. I forget how old Cole Beasley is. I think he's in his early thirties, possibly approaching mid thirties. Um, it's nice to see him in a giants uniform doing that kind of shit and not having to see him do it as a cowboy. Cause that was frustrating to him taking and pass underneath and just like turning it into a first down every time. And Deontay Banks looked pretty solid. And it doesn't look like, uh, like you know, he's had that big of an ego making good plays. You know, he basically ran a route for a receiver. You know, because he like basically saw what the receiver was running and ran it for him, uh, and then came up and made a great tackle on a tight end, deep pass to I think a rookie wide receiver for the Lions, maybe second year guy. You know, receiver extends his hands. He's able to wait until the ball touches the receiver's hands and then strip and rip the receiver's arms to, to force an incompletion. So it seems like we got a a great, uh, we got a starting corner who's not going to be bad. It's not a, it's not a Deandre Baker situation. Please God. I hope it's not a Deandre Baker situation. And also Trey Hawkins, like it's coming out now that wink is completely comfortable with starting Trey Hawkins on the outside Banks on the other side, two rookie starting cornerbacks, which I think the last time that happened was maybe 2001 with Will Allen and Will other guy. <laughs> what the hell was his name? Uh, Will Allen and Will Smith. Oh, it bothers me to no end that I can't remember. Since the four years for a Ponzi scheme. Cool. 
Oh my god. Will Allen and Will Peterson. Oh jeez, God. Wow. So I don't think that's gonna be uh the same situation as 2001 because that was frustrating as fuck coming off a Super Bowl uh appearance in 2000. Uh and uh I guess this is kind of surprising. We all thought that Darian Beavers had the 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 beat on the starting inside linebacker position opposite Bobby O'Karake, and now it looks like it's going to be Michael McFadden. Michael McFadden, I don't know that it was that. Uh, he's he's gotten a lot of praise. I think he's uh, underrated, and I think it's a great underdog story. Um, but from all from everything that I've seen and heard, it just seems like the guy's got a motor and just plays well. You know, I don't think he's going to do anything that jumps off the tape, but just solid, consistent. Um, but I still think. Uh, We'll have to see how it plays out because uh, it, it, it would have been nice to see how Darian Beavers played without this injury because I think it really, I mean, the ACL injury, especially with a linebacker, is just fucking, I mean, we all saw what happened with Ryan Connolly. It can just like ruin your end of your career. And, and Blake Martinez. Uh, I think this is from G-Man HQ, uh, uh, fan-sided, whatever. Four New York Giants who disappeared during training camp. Their list is Isaiah Hodgins. Which I kind of understand. I don't know if it's disappeared. It's just like I haven't heard much about. You know, I think a lot of the focus so far out of training camp has been on Darren Waller, how good he looks, and Jalen Hyatt, how good he looks. You know, we haven't heard a whole lot from Hodgins, but uh, I think that's a good thing. I think he's going to be, you know, uh, we've heard a lot about Slayton, um, and I think this is a good thing that Hodgins is kind of flying under the radar because he's a potential thousand yard receiver. Slayton is a potential thousand yard receiver. Um, so I, you know, I, I think that's fine. I'm fine with under the radar, you know, next one up was pass rusher Aziz Ojolari. You know, I think a lot of people are talking about how Kayvon's going to take a big step in year two. Um, but we have not seen or heard much from Ojolari, even though, uh, and I think Carl Banks tweeted this. You look at like his performance when he's on the field. If you were to extrapolate, you know, full 16, 17 game season, those are like incredible numbers. So when he does play and he's healthy on the field, he's he's a performer. He produces. It's just he can't stay on the field. Third up was cornerback uh, Cordell Flott, who uh, I agree. I think he made uh, he became unstrong towards the end of the last season, as we mentioned. Played well in the playoff game. Had that huge, uh, that huge pass breakup on that final drive when it was thrown to Jefferson. Um, but yeah, now is it's looking like um, Adoree Jackson is going to be the starting corner, starting slot. Trey Hawkins is the starting CB two. Deontay Banks CB one. And now, where does he fall into the mix? We're not too sure. Um, and then offensive and then guard Mark Glowinski. It's kind of looking like Ben Brutterson is going to start over Glowinski at right guard. And then you have a Zudu starting at left guard. Um, that's kind of the indication I'm getting right now, which I don't know. I mean, you know, Zudu and Brutterson split time last year is, did they both take a major step forward in year two? I don't, I don't know, but uh, yeah, Glowinski's kind of going down as, Kind of a bust free agent signing for Joe Shane. Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence were named to the Athletics 25 under 25 list, which is great to see. Um, so glad that we locked them both up. 
I think that's huge and sends a signal to the rest of the team that they're, the, the organization is invested in the future. Something that we have not seen over the past, what, fucking decade? Um, Daniel Jones rejected the offer to be on Netflix's quarterback, which makes sense. Knowing what I know about the Giants, knowing what I know about Daniel Jones, like the Giants, I don't know if we'll ever see them on Hard Knocks, even though I think there are certain rules and stipulations that indicate they might be forced to be on Hard Knocks at some point. I don't know. Um, the rules on that is very are very weird. But uh, yeah, I can very easily see why he rejected that offer. Um, and I can very easily see why Netflix, you know, Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions and Patrick Mahomes, his production company, why they were so interested in that. Because it's like, it was like the the second or third make or break year for Daniel Jones. <laughs> but it did feel like the final one, especially after he wasn't extended for a fifth year. It was like, okay, this is it. And so that's where the the drama comes in so yeah that makes sense why they were after him and uh it would have been interesting i don't know if it would have been more interesting than what we got with uh mahomes cousins and Mariota, other than the fact that jones i don't believe is married and doesn't have kids so it's like you have the married with married expecting second kid married expecting two kids married kid single dude who's a fucking flip cup champion <laughs> Um, and then, uh, finally last two, uh, items I have here, uh, there was a draft day trade in place for the giants to, um, acquire, move up where the bills were and acquire Dalton Kincaid tied in that the bills ultimately drafted. And, uh, I mean, it would have been interesting. I think I'm glad with what we came away with though. I, I think I much prefer you know, and I could be eating fucking crow and feet and all the other words um, after the season because he could be the next <laughs> freaking uh, Travis Kelsey. But I, Shane ended up telling the Bills GM, no, uh, if our guy, if someone takes our guy, we'll trade with you. And then he saw that Deontay Banks was available and ended up trading up to get Deontay Banks. And I got to say, I, I'm... Can you imagine if we didn't have Deontay Banks right now? I don't know how I'd feel about this season. Um, so, no, I'm completely fine with not having Dalton Kincaid. That said, watch Dalton Kincaid become the next Tony Gonzalez. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, or Anthony Gates. Um, and then, finally, Giants signed offensive tackle Julian Davenport. So that was a major knock on the first, uh, you know, the major come away from the first preseason game against the Lions was like our our depth offensive line depth is pretty putrid and we probably need to work on that and that's this is probably a result of that Davenport is a uh I believe he was a former second round pick former fourth round pick of the Texans back in 2017 he's 28 years old he was traded to the Dolphins as part of the Laramie Tunsil deal back in 2019 fucking irony considering that the Giants were probably in the running for Laramie Tunsil before the whole gas mask pot video so stupid um but davenport played out the final year of his four-year uh contract before signing with the colts in 2021 after finishing his contract with the colts he signed a one-year deal with the bears last april was cut during camp he eventually caught on with the cardinals practice squad later in the season 
So, you know, not the the cure all for our woes and our ails, but certainly maybe a better option than what we got going on. I know that I think Corey Cunningham struggled. Uh, I don't know that Tyree Phillips played a lot, but he, I think he came in last year and did a fine job, Tyree Phillips. So, yeah. And I know Shane Lemieux actually had a decent pro football focus grade from this first preseason game. So he's trying to, he's trying to save his arse and stay on the roster. Who knows how he, maybe he turns it around if he's not, uh, you know, injured or banged up. So that's the, that's the seat. That's the episode. Hopefully I can get to uh Twisted Metal, Hijack, um, River Wild, and Don't Worry Darling, maybe this weekend or something like that. You know, I don't know. Maybe I got a busy weekend. I got on the top golf on Saturday. I might have a brunch type thing going on in Philly on Sunday. Uh maybe I can do it on a Friday night. I don't know. Let's get spicy. So with that, I want I, I want to express gratitude. Gratitude. I know, you know, speaking of Strange Planet, you know, that show I started, they don't say thank you, they say gratitude. So gratitude, gratitude for you, for your ears, your eyes, your mind, your soul. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Adios, muchachos.